Achievement unlocked. Two players and a podcast now loading. Welcome back, Dreamers and Flam family. This is Two Peas in a Pod, brought to you by General Andrews and Liberty Flam. And we are sponsored by the 8-Bit Dojo and ESN, where we aim to be selfless, not selfish. This is episode 19 of season 4. Hidden gems of the N64 and GameCube. Hey, yo, Flippity Flam, my dude. General Andrews, my man, how are you doing? I am doing pretty darn good. I had this terrible dream last night that I was stuck inside a hotel room with the Kardashians. Why did I have this dream? I don't know. But it was terrifying. That is terrifying. When I tried to get out of it, when I tried to get out of it, I went to my phone, and obviously the only way out of it was by messaging Pete Davidson. I'm like, nope, I'm stuck. It's over. Oh, it's just done. That's almost as bad as my Joe Biden sex dream I had (laughs) a couple weeks ago. You're like, why is this happening to me? Yeah, like, why is it? Why are we in the aquarium? Why? Why is he (laughs) dressed like a mermaid and with the fishes? Like, why am I sweating? Like, this is strange. Why? Why does this feel so right but feels so wrong? You know. (laughs) <laughs> it's just terrible. Let me tell you. So, okay. So I'm sure when y'all turned in for this episode, you're thinking hidden gems. You weren't thinking the hidden gems in our mind. All right. So yes. let's move past that aspect of it all. And uh, we're going to continue with our little mini series here. Uh, it seems like people really enjoyed uh, the first episode of it in regards to the NES and Super Nintendo. So I think we're going to keep on rolling with it. we got to keep rolling with it. There are so many good games out there that like nobody have heard of. Which is so shocking because like, it's such a delight when you share one of these titles and someone's like, I remember that game. And you're like, no way. Right. It feels like it's like a distant relative that like you lost touch with. You finally got back in tune and you're like, I missed you so much. You embrace, you hug, you smell each other's hair. It's just so nice. It feels they so good. Well, yeah. Exactly. And then you get a little butt sniffing going. Yeah, yeah. That's the only time you could do that. Otherwise, you know, I don't know. You get some kind of disease by doing that. Anyways, let's avoid the diseases and jump into the games here. All right. Well, we, we, well, once we get to the GameCube, we're, we're going to show how embarrassing my knowledge of the GameCube is later. But therefore, I'm going to start off strong here. <laughs> start with the off Nintendo strong 64. with the Nintendo 64. <laughs> so this is a hidden gem that it was so rare. Pay attention to that word for a moment that people actually also knew about. So when I would talk about this, they thought I was crazy. I thought I made up this game that was about these vehicles that were uh, construction-like vehicles that would just blow shit up. And I was just like, yeah, it was so cool. And there was time trials. And like, you could also do your normal missions and like, boom, 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 boom. Well, that game was called Blast Corps. Man, I had never heard about this game until we are talking about it before we record. I'm like, wow. I've seen the box, but I've never played the game. Yeah, the box art is the reason. I remember because I rented this game. I didn't own it, but it was a game I rented twice because of the fact of the box art caught my eye the first time. I was like, all right, you've got that radioactive sign. My brain was automatically already thinking uh, Duke Nukem. I'm oh, like, yeah. Well, I really do like games with the radioactive sign on it, you know, so I, I got to at least try this out. This is definitely for me. Look on the back, and of course, it's nothing like Duke Nukem, but I was like, whatever. You know, I'm renting the game. It's cool. You know, it's not like I, I spent like 40, 50, 60 bucks to buy this game. Let, let, let's go. 
this game had so many different choices for your demolition vehicles as well so let's first actually describe what the heck this game is and it was actually developed by rare so now i was talking about rare earlier folks this game was made by the company rare and they had some really really good titles i'm sure you can attest to some of your favorites uh coming from rare as well oh yeah like they had donkey kong 64 mm -hmm. they they did so many they did so games. many different games like that was the interesting aspect of uh rare is just the fact that they really uh they didn't stick to one niche they didn't they really kind of put everything out there from platformers to beat em ups to shoot shooting games like man so we can have a conversation about that another time so let's jump into the story of blast corps for those of you that might not even know what the heck this game's about so we're talking about that radioactive symbol on the cover here two defective nuclear missiles are being moved to a safe location for a controlled detonation the missiles begin to leak and the carrier vehicle transporting the missiles is automatically set onto a direct course to the detonation site as the course takes it through many built-up areas there are many obstacles on the way and a single jolt could be enough to detonate the missiles and trigger a nuclear winter the blast corps demolition company is given the task of clearing a safe route for the carrier and its missiles so realistically you're like it's what's so great about it, it's like you're supposed to be like making sure that this thing makes it there safely right but in the process you are just demoing everything in sight because you want nothing to touch the transport vehicle because it's gonna blow up oh my goodness and certain levels are a little bit more generous on like you know contact and hits it can take but eventually it gets to the point where it can't take any more hits like one more hit and and it's gonna blow up. Now, what I really enjoyed about this game was the fact that it had numerous different vehicles. You weren't just stuck with the same kind of vehicle over and over again. And these different vehicles ranged from a Ramdozer, a Backlash, Skyfall, Thunderfist, a Cyclone Suit, J-Bomb, one of my favorites, uh, Ballista, Sideswipe, and then a bunch of other miscellaneous ones that you would use here and there, and then the That's overall pilot. That's a ton there, of different vehicles. Tons. And like you would use them for different reasons in different levels. Like some levels you only got to have one, you know, because they were trying to get you to like focus on getting used to using this one. So when yeah. you're in later levels, you would actually, you know, do I want to use this here or not? No, I'll save that for over here. And uh, they all had their different elements to it. I don't have too much time to dive into each specific one's uh uses otherwise that'll be all the time i have for this entire discussion on blast corpse but i will go ahead and describe the j-bomb so this is when you got a little bit further into the game the j-bomb was the third of the robotic demolition vehicles and it was slightly smaller than the thunderfist and i'll just go ahead and describe that for real quick here the thunderfist is a very large human operated robot that is ideal for destroying large buildings such as tower blocks uh, by running at them for example okay so that gives you a little idea of why i said the thunder fist uh, it has a jetpack which is used to fly above a target building the j-bomb can then descend rapidly to crush the building this kind of strongly resembles like the ground pound move from like other platformer games like uh, super mario world oh to like Yoshi's Island, you know, when you you drop down and you, yeah. you would crash into thing, so that that kind of like effect, you know, when you'd be crushing stuff. Uh, but also, the jetpack allowed you to reach areas that weren't accessible to other vehicles. So it was really cool to have that jetpack feature as a part of it. Uh, when you had all these other ones that were, you know, they really resembled almost like uh, your typical construction vehicles, just with the extra little uh, doodads on it that made them quite uh, explosive. 
That's really cool. Downright incredible for an N64 game to have that much depth to different yeah. things that you can use. And, and also what I enjoyed about it is that the game also, um, you know, it was one of those games you could beat, but it gave you the replayability of like, oh, okay, you, you, you did enough to pass, move on. But if you wanted to, you could try to get, you know, your silver medal, your gold medal, or even your platinum medal if you had done all the things in, let's say, the right amount of time, or you made sure to destroy only the stuff that you needed to destroy. You didn't destroy any of, like, the civilians and uh, things like that, where it's like you were focused on doing all the things appropriately. Obviously, when you're doing that, it's that much harder if you're trying to, like, make sure to get platinum every single time. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it gave you different ways to want to come back and replay the game because I always enjoyed games like this where you, you could just destroy stuff. Like, in real life, you can't just do that. I know some people think they can. But, like, in real life, you can't just do that. So to have a video game where you can escape into that feeling of just like, you know what, Mom? I am so tired of you telling me to clean my room. Yeah, destroy it all. That, that wasn't a concept that was, like, super big in games until like red faction came out in like 2001 that's what i was thinking i felt like this this game almost came before its time yeah because like i feel like in the 2000s is when you finally started to really get this and this game was actually released back in 1997 so a good three four years before you started to see these other titles that kind of had a similar like uh way of going about it and i thought i just had to bring it up because it was such a fun game amazing Thank you. All right. My time is almost up, but that's, I'll go, I'll start ranting. I'll go past my time here. If I can <laughs> on going. get another so, thought in there. So with that being said, let's roll on to your hidden gem for the N64. So we'll keep the, the developer rare, the publisher rare still in there because this is another <laughs> rare game. Yeah. It was great at hidden gems. It seems my pick for the N64 hidden gem is Jeff force Gemini. Ooh, tell me more. Man, this game, I also saw it because of the box art in the video store. I was like, what is this? This is different. Yeah, okay. Because it's just like a little space dog, and there's a girl with blue hair shooting a bug. And, and that's the box art. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> this <is> weird. <laughs> and then when you get into the game, it's like a, it's an over-the-shoulder, a third-person shooter like game and it's also got adventure aspects to it as well so taking inspiration from like the super metroid series from mario 64 like platforming aspects to it there's also three different characters that you use throughout the game you like that you're this what is it you're an intergalactic like police team that has to go to this planet and let's see what's his what's his name mizar yeah he a dr- he, this guy Mizar controls these drones, this insectoid clan and is enslaving these people, simply called the tribals, and they look like little koalas. They're adorable. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. You have to save them from, from Mizar. And the three characters you play are is Juno, Vela, and Lupus. They all have different qualities. Like one can swim underwater indefinitely, one can walk through magma. And what was the last one do? The last one's the dog, and you can hover. Oh, that's a short cool. period of time. So you actually get to play as the dog too. That See, was that, very interesting. That what you just said right there, like being able to play as the dog so often. And I remember this being a big deal, uh, not too long ago, maybe the last like four or five years. Cause I mean, we've been in the industry long enough now. It feels mm-hmm. like yesterday, but it really wasn't, uh, where petting the dog in a game was like a big deal. It's a huge thing. I mean, that Twitter account is huge, right? Like, can you pet the dog in this game? Yeah. Yeah, so when you say you can play as the dog, it may, it brings me back to like Secret of Evermore. 
Yeah. A, a much, much, much harder and difficult version of Secret of Mana. Yeah. But you got to play as the dog, and that was really freaking cool. Dude, so I, keep man, I remember renting Secret of Evermore, too, like, specifically, and then, like, returning it being like, this game's garbage because it was so hard. It really was. So hard as a kid, just, like, dying over and over and over to the, like, the first boss is insane in that game. That game required a lot of grinding, so I'm not surprised if anyone says, no, that game was too hard, you know, that, and I can see that taking away the fun of it, you yeah. know what I mean? Because it literally was a very difficult game, and what was its redeeming quality was the fact that the constant different landscape changes, and and the pupper would change with the landscape. I thought that was really cool. Watching you play that, I don't know, was it last year? <sighs> it's been like three years oh, now. Oh, it's been a while. Wow, <laughs> man. Okay, last year was my three years. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I I'm feel officially you. old. I just played, I just rented Just Force Gemini yesterday. <laughs> that was just yesterday, you know. <laughs> yesterday, I had to walk up uphill both ways to get it in the snow. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> So one of the one of the coolest features is that GeForce Gemini was also multiplayer, right? Oh, nice. Okay, okay, cool. It was multiplayer, and it was no split screen multiplayer either. That's okay. I'm glad you said that. That's such an important aspect. Is that some games can work with split screen? Yeah. Like Mario 64s, that can work, right? Yeah. But there's so many games where the split screen was terrible. Dude, that golden eye was really bad. You should, and that's it, the only way to play it, it though. Yeah. Like back then, you would ex you were accepting of it back then because it was such a big <laughs> deal to play that game. It was the Friday night thing you did with friends. Yeah. You know, so you, you were gonna do it. But as time went on past that, it really any a lot of games because that game at least was the the feel of the game was fluid enough it got away with it mm -hmm. but so many other games that weren't as fluid wow they <laughs> you could see how it started to fall apart where they, they do these split screen things and they weren't as fun they weren't as engaging so i'm, I'm glad you brought that up that n multiplayer without the split screen so cool to hear yeah it was really neat. and this game was also developed by the same people like in the rare uh house it was developed by the same people that did blast corpse too oh okay so. nice very nice that makes me happy like i got a big smile over here no one could see it right now but right. It's like, yeah yeah <laughs> both picking a beautiful gem from the same publisher and the same team man which is pretty funny because like when i think about it, we just mentioned goldeneye 64 yeah like goldeneye also was done by rare oh that's true huh i always forget that <laughs> It's, it's like it's so funny that we're not even trying to talk about rare here we're gonna save some other future episode but like we've just happened to run into the fact that we're talking about all these different rare titles and rare had it back in the day they they knocked banger out of banger out of banger back then. they really did they really really did and it what's shocking is that as a company i felt like they didn't get enough of a nod as a legitimate gaming company even though the titles got the nods the titles got the nods but everybody kind of made fun of rare right, right. and I, I look back on it now, i'm like no like i want you i want you i want you still doing good things i want people to like feel like yeah you're the one because i really enjoyed a lot of their games which again we'll get into another time but that's really cool that uh <laughs> Some of these aspects are just kind of like without us planning for it to turn into this because we, we we kind of studied on our own for it. We did. And then brought yeah. it to the day and it's just like, wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah. 
We just wanted to make sure we didn't pick the same games. Yeah. We had no idea that they were the same publisher, the same team, or anything like that. That's awesome. Because like what you said, the hovering, uh, the ability for the dog was to be able to hover. I'm immediately thinking of this jetpack J-bomb vehicle. I'm like, what? Like, that just sounds like the exact thing I was talking about. Like, Right. Like, they like, just oh, took sweet. those assets and just put it in that game and just reskin it to a dog. Perfect. It's right. Nailed this it. is perfect. I love it. Ruh, ruh. Yeah, good, good doggy, good doggy. All right, are we ready to jump into the GameCube? I mean, are you ready to jump into the GameCube? The well, I'm not. I, any yeah. more time, I, you should help everybody else out by, you know, uh, leading off the I'll, GameCube I'll lead discussion. off into the GameCube because, you know, okay. that's even though that's General's most played console of all time. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely mine. The GameCube, I remember, just we played Sunshine, we played Luigi's Mansion, like all of those titles my brother and I just played into the dirt. And then this game I also rented and then ended up buying because I liked it so much. It was a very, very little known game. Apparently there's there's four or five in the series too, but only two of them came to America. And oh, really? Yeah, there were two before it. It preceded it, preceded the GameCube, and there was one even on the N64, which I did not know about until reading about this. Ah! Because, yeah, there was one on the N64, the Game Boy Advance, the GameCube, and then it died on the Nintendo DS, as Nintendo DS loves to do. <sighs> yeah, yeah, sounds yeah. about right. <laughs> yeah. The game in question is a, a little-known title called Custom Robo, which... Yeah, I, I had not heard of this before, so when you brought that up, I was like, it sounds cool, but I don't even know. Yeah, so... You remember, like, in the arcades, when you'd sit down, and it's not a racing game, but it's like a mech fighting game. Okay. Right, where you have, like, the joysticks and whatnot. It's like an arena fighting. Yes. That's basically what Custom Robo is. It's an arena fighting robot, except you get to customize the robots in it. And the robots that you fight with. And it has, like, man, like, hundreds upon hundreds of customization options. And it all... Like my favorite thing when a game does this and like I know I get I'll give a pass to older RPGs when the weapons don't change when you equip a new weapon that's fine but in newer games if they don't do that it really pisses me off and you see everything every bit of customization you do on your robot into the arena and that's really oh, cool. Oh okay so you're saying even the the visuals the visuals with change when you're, okay, yes yeah. Yes. Like if yes. you have a big old shoulder cannon that you put on your guy, you're going to see that big old shoulder cannon. And it's going to function the way that you hope it would. That is cool. Because, like, I agree. I thought it was always interesting playing certain games. Uh, like, a Final Fantasy game is actually a good example of what you're talking about, the weapon change. So mm-hmm. if you had certain weapons, like... Yeah, let's say it was like a, a knife it's going to show a small little knife coming yeah. out and attacking right or if it's like a big old broadsword or longsword it's a big old broadsword or longsword that they're you know attacking with now it's not sitting on their character only once they went into the fighting animation but that was that was good you know for nintendo like that was a big deal you know it's like oh this is really cool so what you're saying also makes sense because there are games that had gotten lazy with that aspect and uh yeah I... the, the the gamers know when it, they it's do. Like, oh, it takes okay. you out of it a little bit it does and i i loved seeing that because that's what i looked for as a kid because the last couple i'd played like oh man nothing changes and then playing this it, it was just so f- the combat in the game is like so much fun it's very fast paced it's very quick let's not talk about the story because the story sucks it's, <laughs> that's fair it's very very bad <laughs> Like even on really? like even on the wiki page it just glazed like the plot is like just one sentence to be like it's much to be desired basically 
like it's not Plot. very it good sucks. yeah move it on. sucks just move on <laughs> enjoy is... everything else about it yeah it's not great <sighs> like, i can't even remember they do have like full-fledged cutscenes, but i can't even remember i could not tell you to save my life what they were about dang and i tell you like cutscenes. it's interesting because you know being speedrunners, right nowadays we're like trying to skip through cutscenes. Mm hmm excuse me, uh, trying to skip through the cutscenes, and we're trying to, you know, move past it. Or if we are in a cutscene, hopefully it's like a really cool one because certain games, like I know like a Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy yeah. IX had really cool cutscenes. They were long, but at least they were really cool to watch, right? But then you got into some games where you're like, all right, this cutscene is just so exhausting right now. And sorry, Final Fantasy X fans out there, but some of those cutscenes, you're just like, how much longer do I gotta wait? Like... I would like to play the game now. Like, give me some <laughs> cutscene, set up the moment, and let's go. Yeah. No, okay. I can go make a meal right now. Okay. Yeah. And then go pan fry a hot dog. Looking at make you, Final time. Fantasy X. <laughs> yeah, I really am. Because, like, you know, like Final Fantasy really started bringing some really good cutscene aspects. I was like, oh, this is really cool. This is worth it. And then Final Fantasy X is like, oh, let's double down. It's like, no, yeah. you double down too hard. <laughs> Man, Stop there it. are like like thirty minute cutscenes in that game, and then Metal Gear Solid comes out and is like, "Hold my beer." <laughs> Let me show you a whole movie. The whole movie, like, there's an hour fifteen cutscene, I think, in one of those games. Oh, I didn't even know. I was just joking. I know, oh, dude. It, it's ridiculous. Oh, I think I got sweaty just thinking about that. Right? Oh, god, that's terrible. Because, like, again, like. I suppose if you were in that mood to go from playing to just wanting to chillax, that would work. But a lot of us gamers, we want to play. We want to play, and the older you get, your time gets more limited, right? Yeah. So, like, I know, I know, I find myself I'm like, what can I just pick up and play real quick? So I'll play mm -hmm. like a roguelike, like Hades or something along those lines. Some that you right. pick up and you can actually play. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And they like the cutscenes in that thing are 10 seconds. Yeah. It feels like. From the time I watch it, it's like, okay, boom, say a little of this, say a little of that, go on. And it's like, okay, cool. That's perfect. Let's go. Let's roll. Neat. I can oh, play wow. the video game now. <laughs> so now, what was, I don't know if you can actually describe this. What was your favorite customized mech or robot that you made? Man, that's going to be hard. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if like, there was one that stuck out. You're like, yeah, I had these so cannons. many. It was super huge. They all have... could jump like 10 feet off the ground. Yeah. I don't know, you know? <laughs> well, it's like all customizable, and they do have like different classes that you can go in. Okay, cool, cool. And whatnot. I don't think it has the classes listed. No, of course it doesn't. Because the, the wiki page is like two paragraphs. It's not <laughs> a very, very well-known game. Hidden gem, folks. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah, you could have, what was it, the different... You have dash attacks, you have bombs, you could have pods, you could fire out like missile pods, or like bomb pods and stuff like that. And then guns and then different classes of the different robots. Like I think you had like a speedster typically. Ooh, that's cool. That's cool. Or like a tank like one. Like those the, the typical sort of classes you would have. Which makes sense. Yeah, like cuz uh I know on uh, Monday, was it Monday? or Sunday, I was ran rambling about another game that made me think of uh, what you were just describing or whatever. So it's, it's always interesting how those uh, are pretty consistent across the board when it comes to like your mech or big robot style games. Yeah. 
you have your fast ones you got kind of your medium ones that are like a little bit of a mixture of both then you got your big tanky ones they're slow but they can take a beating you know what i mean dude exactly i always like the big tanky ones because i'm uh very much so throw my head at it until it works got it okay yeah <laughs> you're like bring it on i'll learn what you're doing real quick here sonny boy yeah <laughs> sabi saw watching me play through elden ring oh okay yeah. so that's the route you went <laughs> yeah, with that got it yeah she, she she would just be like flip you you know you know you can leave and then come back when you're stronger and i'm like i know that but i want to beat him now but, <laughs> but i'm here already i'm here already so far away so far so folks this hidden gem i'm about to tell you about i've never played it all right <laughs> I, I you want you want to know how much time i've spent playing a gamecube less than five minutes all right and you'd be like, oh, blasphemy. <laughs> what kind of retro gamer are you? Well, this was right in that time frame where this specific system was in my brother's room. And therefore, the only way I could play it was by going in their room and playing it. Well, they were at the age, you know, they had their own stuff. They allowed to have their own stuff kind of situation. And things like the controller would be like covered in like, you know, goop or whatever or something. Maybe they had uh, pancakes and they went to go play the game. They didn't care their hands were sticky, but damn, you come back to that controller, you're like, I don't want to use this thing. <laughs> and so I played so little of the GameCube. Thus, when it came to doing any of my research here, I was like, all right, I want to make sure, first off, it's not a game that coincides with what uh, Flip was going to talk about, which thankfully it didn't. But the game I found out uh, that is a rare gem, uh, not by rare this time, uh, but uh, this game is called Battalion Wars, and it's actually one of the sequels to uh, Advanced Wars. For those of you that are Advanced Wars fans, and Advanced War fans are Ooh. are prepared more for your typical kind of RTS strategy uh, aspect, while this one took it up a notch, which actually didn't do too bad for itself. Uh, when it came, the only problem is just when it was released. It's, it says when it came to the fact that it didn't really pick up a lot of steam. But let's go ahead and get the setting for this game. So the game's world consists of five nations. No surprise there when it came to Advanced War series. Mm -hmm. uh, spread across two large continents in a series of islands and arch archipelagos. Uh, the western continent consists of a mixture of rugged canyons in the west and wide plains and forests, up to frozen tundras and snowy mountains, and forested valleys in the east. The content, uh, content, the continent is shared between the western frontier and the west, uh, based upon the United States and whom the player controls throughout the campaign, and the tundran territories in the east, which is more based upon Russia. Uh, the eastern continent consists of a desert province in the west called the Dune Sea, and a large Gothic-themed landscape in the east, uh, which is home to the nation of Slovenia. A country based on a mixture of pre-World War I Germany, modern Romania, kind of vampire-like, and overall Gothic themes. Uh, the southern seas consist of several islands, including a large um, archipelago to the south of the western <laughs> continent. Hold on, hold on. Say that word again. Archipelago? Archipelago. Oh, archipelago. Well, there you go. Archipelago. Archipelago. I'm sorry which is home to the Solar Empire, a nation based on Japan with a mixture of traditional Japanese and high-tech futuristic themes. So that kind of gave you an idea of all the different nations uh, and what kind of what to expect if you were going through these lands. And uh, that again, very similar if you were playing any of the Advanced Wars games where you'd have to 
go about it utilizing your units to best take advantage of the current uh terrain that you're a part of now what made this one different though is it didn't stick to just rts it even went into third person shooter for certain aspects of the game oh that's really cool so not only so, is it a 3d advance wars you can actually yes. play so you, you you would go back and forth between the two aspects of it and it worked really well and so one of the really cool things about it that i was reading from somebody else's input on it again because i didn't play the game right folks i didn't play the, the gamecube so it's not my personal feeling but what was really cool about it from this individual's uh sharing was that it was very big on this rock paper scissors type of setup like you really had to think out your infantry your tanks your air power which most people are, are used to but you then had to get even more detailed into your anti-aircraft missiles, your mortars, your transport helicopters, and why those would be essential in this type of battle. And so it was really cool to see that this had taken on such a uh, deep element of strategy that wasn't your typical like okay you know your Final fantasy tactics you know where you're you're, you're picking your just your location it was even matching up really well with the enemies that were on board or the terrain on top of what you had to deal with so for example using the helicopter transports why are you using that obviously the transport's not going to be something that's attacking very much you know it's going to be doing probably pea shooter damage at best but the reason why it's moving to move a much more important unit to a location it can't really get to easily so you can finally get the advantage of the high ground for example yeah the high ground the high ground is everything as obi-wan knows and then yes that's right there's <laughs> a guy that wrote the art of war oh okay okay i, I can't think of his name right now i but can't I either but the guy about. who wrote the art of wars that's the one thing is the high ground right that's the biggest in, in, thing in the advanced wars series that was a bit that was always a big deal it you, was. you always had an advantage if you were that higher up you were going to hit two times more likely obviously in certain other lo um other parts of it, you might get more bonuses but you were always going to have a two times to one advantage being on the high ground versus being on the low ground yeah that's what i always remember from the advanced wars so i played all the advanced wars on the game boy advance and i loved those <laughs> on the game boy advance correct that's why i was thinking to myself like oh, okay that's why i i felt good to jump into this because i kind of knew about the uh predecessors right before jumping into uh the sequel uh that i didn't play because it was on the gamecube right and i was like Yo, this would have been fun to play, though, because it took those elements and expanded on it. It didn't completely ditch the other ones, which yeah, was smart. That's really, really good. I love it. I love it when sequels expand on it instead of just like, well, it becomes Monty Python and now for something completely different. <laughs> now something completely different. Yeah. Wait, why? No, but that was what was good. You know, and that, that what you said is so important i think for a franchise they want to really be a franchise that doesn't continue to lose steam now some you know we, we've seen it some just become so big that like it's hard for them to fail yeah look at you Final fantasy yeah looking at you mario you know what i mean but because they've had some where i'm like i am not at all pulled into this yeah at all like you, you've tried so hard to make it so different compared to you keeping a lot of the same and then adding elements that improve upon the quality of life. I'm super down for that. Super duper down for that. Oh, exactly. 
Just like I was down for this conversation, even though I felt ill-prepared because I didn't play the GameCube. You know what? It, it's okay. I, I really hate your brothers for having sticky fingers and ruining the, the GameCube experience you could have had. My Just... assumption, actually, is that you, what you hated more is my pronunciation of Ar Ar Archipelago. Archipelago, you know? dude. You said it the first time. I'm like, maybe, maybe he's just, like, doesn't know. And then you said it the second time. I'm like, hold up. Archipelago. That's a new Archipelago. Sound, it's just a, it's a group of small islands. That's what an archipelago is. No, no, no. You gotta call it, now. No, you gotta call it what I call it. Uh, yeah, I'll call it what you call it, yeah. and you call it what I call it, okay? Archipelago. <laughs> Doesn't that just sound, it sounds powerful, you it know? Does. I'm like, it's an archipelago of islands, baby. Like, you cannot mess with us. This is with it. Us. We got the arc, the pala, and the go. And there's, you know, there's someone in the court that's like, no, it's actually pronounced archipelago. No, you are out of here, you know? And that was it. <laughs> You're Never out of again. line, bailiff. Secure <laughs> this man. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, besides, I thought the error was going to be me talking about a GameCube game that, like, I never even played. But I guess it was really my my description of the game was what failed me. You know, who knew? It worked out. Everyone enjoyed that that painful moment in time. All right. You know what, though, Dreamers? Thank you so much for tuning in for this ridiculous episode of our Hidden Gems. Dude, family, love you as always. And bye bye, bye.